Welcome back, friends, to Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am, because today is episode 35, and we are going to be starting a new series on transdisciplinary learning. This episode is Transdisciplinary Learning 101. We've gone through a lot. We've had a chance to go back and apply our thinking to... um, agency and action and learner profile and international mindedness. And now it's time to challenge ourselves again, just like we did at the beginning of this podcast series. We are going to participate in a five session challenge. It will not happen over five days. It's actually going to be broken up um, almost a week because it takes a minute. Transdisciplinary learning is deep thinking and it's going to require a lot of reflective practice. But it's also going to help us to sharpen our skill set in reflecting and improving our transdisciplinary practice. So this challenge will have two parts. We want to differentiate this because we want to make sure that you feel good about this and you're also not wasting your time. So part A, we're going to review for each challenge, there's going to be an overview of the big ideas for that challenge to lay the groundwork. We're all in different places on our PYP journey. Some of us are brand new and others have been in it for a while. So if you feel like, "Mm, I got this, Then move um, straight on to the challenge. If you're like, no, I have no clue what you're talking about, lady, then you stay with me and I'm going to provide you some background information. So part A is the background information. Part B, you're going to go to the challenge. Now, for that challenge itself, you're going to complete a task and then you're going to post it. Now, be mindful if you're posting, you want to put stuff that you feel comfortable with. Um, last time I did a challenge, I had a private Facebook group, but this time I kind of want to keep it live and keep it going through Twitter and through LinkedIn. Now, um, so we're going to look at Twitter. We're going to look at my handle at thinkchat2020. And then, um, my LinkedIn is my name, Lou Gerlach, L-U, and last name is G-E-R-L-A-C-H. Don't worry, this is all this information is going to be attached to the podcast um, description. So, are you staying with me, Part A? If not, bye. See you in Part B. Okay, what we're going to first talk about is what does transdisciplinary learning mean? I have heard many descriptions in my day, and I am a person that A, loves food, and B, loves some sort of analogy to help me, you know, um, make connections, paint a picture in my mind. So when I think of traditional learning, I think of the old fashioned 1950s compartmentalized dinner plate where you had three to four sections where the main has the biggest portion of the plate or to go container um, in today's world. In every to go box, you're gonna have three compartments, right? Uh, Two sides and a main. And each compartment of the plate, if you're careful, um, doesn't touch each other, right? Um, you have these separate spots. I'm not a compartmentalized eater. Um, and maybe that's why I'm so into the PYP. I like it all touching and mooshing and let's go. But my father, on the other hand, he can't handle touching. So he has it all compartmentalized. When we're compartmentalized in education and put it broken down into subject groups, reading, writing, math, you know, social studies, science, what happens is that 
they're it's very disjointed for children because they don't know, okay, why am I learning this? What's the importance? What's what's the connection? There is no connection. Everything is taught in isolation and the content is planned and taught um, without consideration of the other subjects. So we get to then what's called interdisciplinary learning. And what interdisciplinary learning is, I compare it to a salad. So you put all the subjects in a bowl and you have all those ingredients, right? But when you take your fork, think about when you eat a salad, when you take your fork and stab into a salad, you don't get all the ingredients all together on that one bite. You might have some protein, um, whether it's soy or, um, you know, chicken, you might have some that, you might have some lettuce and a tomato, right? But you're not going to have a crouton, you, your fork can't physically hold it all. So you take a bite at a time, but by the time you're done with your salad, you've been filled up with all of it, right? That's the same thing with interdisciplinary learning. We chunk instruction to go together. We'll put math and science often together. We'll put language arts and ELA together. But we don't ever put a connection between those chunks. So it's kind of still limited at um, an elementary level. Middle schoolers can handle that, but elementary, not so much. So now we come to transdisciplinary learning, which I think has um, been compared by several people that I know to a cake. And I love this, where you take all the separate ingredients, the flour, the sugar, the baking soda, all of those ingredients that you put into a cake, you put it into a mixing bowl, you whiz it up, you put it into a baking pan, and out pops out the most beautiful cake. And when you're eating a cake, you cannot determine what ingredient is where because it's all mixed together it's all fluid and all of the ingredients work together to create a beautiful tasty treat that is what transdisciplinary learning is to me you cannot tell where one subject begins and where another ends so there's no re traditional reading block anymore there's no I hear people say PYP time or IB time or unit of inquiry time. What the heck is that? All day long is unit of inquiry. That's that's what transdisciplinary means. Because if you stop and think about it, when we're solving problems in the real world, we do not stop and say, oop, I can only look at the math portion. No. If you're thinking of a typical business and we're about to purchase some software, we're looking at the logistics of, okay, how does this impact these processes, these people, operations, uh, what's going to be the fiscal, what's going to be the long-term benefit? We're looking at all aspects of it before we make decisions. So why are we not teaching that way? And when I'm thinking about transdisciplinary learning, oftentimes, you know, when I began, I was like, well, how do I, I love the idea, but how do I execute this? What's amazing is that the IB came up with um, six PYP transdisciplinary themes. And these themes each have a descriptor. And within the descriptor, there are families of concepts. And we're going to explore that piece later. But I just want to give you a 
what that means. And it's so beautiful. And it took me a long time to understand these descriptors. And I'm not going to read them verbatim, but in essence, who we are is all about us as humans. The things that we need, we need other people, we need relationships, we need to develop our health, we need to worry about developing our self-esteem and and, uh, looking at our beliefs and values, everything that governs us as humans, right? Where we are in place and time, that's all about our histories and where we've come from, whether it be personal or um, national or um, worldwide. And what are the different things that have happened to shape um, our place and over time how these events have um, manifested themselves and influenced our current place and being? And then how we express ourselves is as we engage in the world, how do we express all of those beliefs and values, our feelings, our, our culture, our communities, and all of that? How do we express that to the world? How do we present um, those things that we reflect on events that happen in the world and we have to create something as a response. Then there's how the world works. This is exactly how it sounds. Anything that's in world, in, in the earth, and in space, how does it work? How does it function? How, how do we as humans utilize this information to govern our lives and use these principles to make it better? And what are the positives and negatives of this scientific and technological influence on society and on the environment. Then we're looking at how we organize ourselves. What are all those systems that we've got in place that as humans and also as a nature that has been created to govern our lives? And, you know, what's that impact um, um, on the environment, on humankind, on societal decision making? Then they're sharing the planet. We have these finite resources. Well, how are we acting? How are we utilizing them? How are we conserving them? How are we engaging each other to make sure there's equal access? How are we considering every living thing, not just humans on this planet? And, you know, there's going to be conflict over resources. And how do we peacefully resolve that and make sure that um, we're working together as a global community? That's a lot. And so what we do is that we zoom in onto these descriptors and we we're going to go over a little bit about that process of how we do that later in this challenge but we frame what are called units of inquiry not unit planners oftentimes i'll hear people say oh i'm going to teach the unit planner no the planner is the paper that you are writing out to capture your ideas but we're teaching a unit of inquiry because we want inquiry to guide everything, right? And this is why this I think the nature of the podcast began is focusing on inquiry. What is it? And if you look, it, you should be able to look back in your unit of inquiry and go back to the descriptor and find out where is this learning centralized? And we wrap all of our content standards or our guidelines or our PYP Um, scope and sequence documents to fall under these themes and use the concepts from the descriptors to guide our process. For pre-K to K, what's really lovely is that you only have to teach four out of the six units within a given year. 
And the IB has recognized that, you know, the early years, there's so much developing happening. Children are learning how to coexist in a shared space, learning about themselves, you know, learning how to exist and understand their community and wider global community. And so with that, that takes time to establish, plus learning the basics of language and mathematical development and um, just learning in general, uh, right? Or I should say systematic learning. You have to teach who we are and how we express ourselves, but I think that's naturally developmentally appropriate. You know, these young people need to know who they are and, and where they fit and why they need friends and why they need families and all of that. And then, you know, how do you express and communicate your needs to the world and, you know, and your experiences. So beautiful. Then for grades, grades one, and depending on where you end the PYP at fifth or sixth grade, you teach all six units um, within the year. And there's even flexibility in that, which is beautiful now, where you can have some uh, a unit running all year long so that eases up the bulk during um, the rest of the year. So amazing. But that's something that you have to determine as a campus. Now, as a general rule, when people are first starting out, they start out with six units and six weeks. But this is not fixed by the PYP. This was determined by some school and it took off uh, good, good practice um, because of the number of school days. But you don't have to feel fixed. The only thing that the PYP requires is that uh, no unit is less than three to four weeks in length. So that means some units could be eight weeks and I've taught those and others be shorter because of the needs of the interests of um, prior knowledge that's been acquired. It's easier to teach a unit that unit in three to four weeks. Also, the units can be taught in any order. There are campuses out there, I've seen them, where they try to do the same theme at the same time, but that is not the norm. I've maybe seen one or two campuses do that my whole time of 12 plus years in the PYP. Most just govern it by what's naturally appropriate at the time of year, child development, all of that, and also child inquiries. That's really important. We want them to be centered on that, right? So what does transdisciplinary look and feel like? Because this is going to be really important as you go into the next challenge. When you're walking around a school that truly is transdisciplinary, you're going to see students doing a lot of things. You're going to see them asking questions. They're going to be constantly asking questions, but they're not going to be low-level retrieval questions. They're going to be time for that. We need those factual questions. But there are also times where they need to be learning how to ask conceptual questions, deeper questions that yield multiple responses and take time to answer. Then they're also going to be asking debatable questions, which are ones that can be debated and you need to provide evidence to support. Why is this important? Because in middle school, that, that is the, at the heart of their planning and students are um, leading that experience. So we're trying to build up to that. Then you'll also see students reading and acquiring knowledge from a multiple um, 
media forms. They're not just going to be looking and researching on the internet. They're going to be looking at books, but they're also going to be watching videos. They're going to be reading blogs. They're going to be listening to podcasts. They're going to be gathering information from a wide source um, base because that's what we do as grown people. We don't just take one person's word for it. We try to suss out, is this uh, legitimate true? And we have to establish that for them. Also, while they're doing that, they're looking at it from multiple vantage points. They're looking at it, well, how does this impact the from the lens of this math that we're learning? And how does this information I'm acquiring, um, you know, how can I look at it through the lens of art? Um, we're from PE. We're trying to get them to look at it from multiple perspectives. Also, big ideas such as conceptual ideas are being revisited throughout the day to provide multiple examples so that when children walk away, they have a deep understanding of what pattern looks like, what systems look like, They that it's not fixed into one subject group. And also what's really interesting as you go around a transdisciplinary campus is that all the personnel that work with students, they're speaking the language of the PYP and they're applying it to their context, whether that be a cafeteria worker, whether that be a janitor, a school secretary. We want them to feel as part of the learning process as well. And you can do that easily with the learner profile attributes. And you're, you're seeing that it's embedded. All of this thinking of philosophy is going throughout the whole um, day and not just segmented for the homeroom teacher. That's a lot to think about. So while it's fresh in your mind, pop over to episode 36 and take part of the challenge.